welcome to Conversation with a Chef. I'm Jo Ritty and I love sharing with you the conversations I get to have with talented and passionate chefs. It's the backstory, if you will, to the food they're putting up. Today's chat is with Rob Kerbord. I spoke to Rob for Broadsheet when Lekker first opened as a pop-up in the Windsor Hotel at the start of January. He was generous then with his time and the stories he shared with me, and he was generous again this time. When we spoke in January, we had no idea that by now, mid-March, the world would be in such a state of flux. The hospitality industry has been particularly hard hit, and the COVID-19 crisis is, of course, front of mind for many of us. Rob shared some insights and inspiration with me, which highlight his hospitality heart and why he is as well-loved as he is within the industry and wider community. This is a longer than usual conversation with the chef, so grab a cup of tea, settle in, and enjoy. Kind of like we've been doing the elbow for years in the kitchen because it's you know you often have dirty hands so yeah. busy with butchery and now right. finally Corona is making it cool. <laughs> finally, finally, yeah, we have a virus to make it cool. Yeah, last time I spoke to you, we didn't even know that Corona was on the horizon. Oh no, no, because that was oh that was well before January. Yeah, it was right when you were starting here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. no. Years ago. Years ago, <laughs> yeah. I know. It feels like that, doesn't it? So you've had a really successful, um, well, residency that's now continuing. Yeah. Um, yeah. How lucky am I? <laughs> um, I? I don't know what happened actually. Can I? We because we set summer residency. Yeah. And then people like you in Broadsheet, The Age, Harold Sun, Gourmet Traveller, all went like, "Fuck, Rob's back. Let's you know." And you guys, you guys actually helped me a lot. And then. Oh, I think it's you as well. I think your oh. reputation and then... <laughs> no, well, yeah. Then for, for customers coming in... Proving it, um, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, you know, the, 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 the spooking of the word, the good word. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously, obviously proofs in the pudding, but kind of like, you know, that's, that's not really how I think of or, or operate. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, we kind of, we were like, shit, our first residency is up, but we're all having a good time. We're yeah. making a little bit of money. Like, yeah, you know, seeing seeing this stressful time that you know even January February with bushfires yeah. was tricky tricky at best I think for all of our industry um, and now even trickier times and we foolishly said like yeah we'll stay open why not we'll we'll deal with this mushrooms are starting to come in we'll do an autumn residence mm, yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, autumn is here yeah yeah so I've seen you have pulled, I saw on Instagram actually that you've pulled the tables a little bit further apart or taking tables out is that what um, you're doing well yeah kind of I mean we're only we're only already 30 something seats right yeah. so we're not we're not massive no um, but we just feel with the to, to make the guests feel better like the, the social distancing um, I mean I don't work with feet but you know the six feet rule you hear coming out of America um, and the, the very rapid closure of some high-end restaurants in Europe um, I, I just feel kind of yeah I'm, I'm Little finger to the coronavirus. We just do what we do, and if you can and you're safe, um, you know, obviously, if you have it, stay home. Um, and we're working on, like most of the other restaurants are, to look at, you know, if we can do uh, well, you know, lecker eats, not Uber eats, but lecker eats of some, of some description. 
Um, but I'm only a very small team, so we're going like, yeah, we can do the cooking, but who's going to be doing the delivering? Um, and so we're, we're kind of talking to a few people. Hasn't Danny Valent um, done, she's done a petition and Uber eats a five million or something towards... Um, to the delivery, to the yeah, delivery. They, they're, they're getting on board with it, which I think is amazing. Um, but at the moment, kind of, yeah, they're not even... We would never deal with Uber Eats or no, Deliveroo so or any of them. You, I mean, how so we don't have to contact. Yeah, that's right. So we're, yeah. we're working that out and hopefully... And in the meantime, you know, a little bit more cleaning than, than usual, a bit more uh, antiseptic and hot soapies. Um, yeah, on the door, on the on the on the balustrades. Sure. Um, like the high contact surfaces of the washing machine, um, and it's it's not something like I, I'm of the opinion that most restaurants are clean anyway. Because if they're dirty, they'll get pulled out on it. You you, you know, guests don't go to dirty restaurants. Yeah. Um, so already, you know, we're, we're super clean, we're super tidy, um, but we're just amping up ever so slightly a little bit further into. Making things corona safe or as corona safe as we as we can until uh, until the government says like no you can't do this anymore. Yeah, so what's happening in Amsterdam? Because I know in Paris or France they've closed all of the um, the everything. Actually. Yeah, so Amsterdam is closing till uh, last I read uh, the Easter weekend, so the tenth tenth of April, pretty much starting this week, um, and already. Already, there's some, some some sad stories coming out of that because with the blanket rule that Holland applied, some restaurants won't come come out of the end, um, which is, is is always bad news. Um, the Dutch Catering Association has asked for a 500 million I'm saying this right, yeah, 500 million dollar uh, grant from government to help with all of all of the hospitality, um, and that goes, you know, like. What the government is talking about here: um, airports, airport catering, uh, into the tourism, into you know, the little storeholders that are you know on the dam or near the dam that sell hair. Kind of like they went from a, a tourist population of millions to zero, yeah, right. and it, it went so fast, so rapid that kind of like they're sitting on stock in the yard. Right? Cool. Let's let's feed the homeless because otherwise we'll waste the stock. Yeah. Um, so there's there's a, there's a lot of really positive things coming out of that, but I think everybody is trying to deal with it as best as they can, um, and also, and I think this has to be said, especially for here, uh, is the density of population. Like Holland is 16 million people on something that would fit 170 times into Australia. Yes. So the density of population is a lot dr more drastic than here. That's true. Um, and I think you know. Um, Prime Minister, I think said something this morning about you know we have to keep Australia running. Mm. I I full heartedly agree that we should try to remain open as long as we can without putting you know families at risk by you know and the risk the risk is, is both ways. Like if I say to my boys, hey, that's it, we're not seeing you for the next three weeks. They they got young kids. They they you know they are not going to get paid. They don't have that much money to leave, especially not in the pop up environment where you know we're only essentially three, four months old. Yeah. Um, and there is no, you know, there's no war chest that we have built up over a few years so we can you know, extend it and show a bit of goodwill. It's kind of like, no, kind of like if we have to close, we have to close. Um, and in, in Holland, in Holland, then I think, you know, Belgium is on the same track. France is already, Italy is already there. Denmark, uh, the UK is toying. I don't know if they've made the, the official decision there yet. Um, and it also doesn't help for 
you know, the, the nerves of steel here. Because um, the global information is so fast nowadays, like, you know, when, when Trump, Trump does a speech, we pay a lot of attention here, but some of those dimensions don't really work here because we have, we have a lot more of nothing. <laughs> we have it's a lot so of space. It's so um, and it was quite poignant on the weekend. I was in, yeah, I live in Wheatsheaf, I was in the local pub, and you know, a couple of the farmers there. And, it was business as usual, you know, when, when is lambing happening? Have you seen mushrooms yet? Kind of like how the pear's going. Um, and the coronavirus was not not on the agenda of, you know, the, the communal chat that they have there every uh, every Monday. Then. There's a group of them get together and I kind of, kind of as the offside, I kind of sneak in yeah, there, yeah. have a quiet beer on the side of the bar. Um, and every now and again, it's like, oh, how's, how's, it, how's it in the big smoke? You know, it's, it's pretty dire. Ugh city folk and then yeah so what's happening with your cows and they're like well <laughs> um, the, the life the life is very different there and, uh, and it even showed in, in the local IGA like, everything is there in stock like, and I've heard about these terrible things these corona tourist buses where city folk are going out to rural areas and oh it's, it's disgusting going to their supermarkets it's disgusting it's it's I don't I don't know I I can kind of understand the fear and the panic behind it um, but that's mainly because of the, the global news. Yeah, when, when it first broke in Italy, there was a guy that got quarantined for, self-quarantined for two weeks. And he had a packet of pasta and a tin of tuna, and that's it. Yeah. But that was all over the news, yeah. all over the world. So a lot of people went like, fuck, what if this happens here? Um, and I think on, on the, on the yeah, it's a personal response, kind of like I, I, you know, I cook for a living. I have a vegetable garden, kind of like, I'm, house is stocked okay I, I would survive two weeks um, I don't I, I don't see myself buying you know 120 bog rolls <laughs> for what kind of like you know it, it's um yeah my, my wife my wife bless her did think about you know maybe stocking up a little like, like, why? but I think it's yeah? it's the only way people see they can control the situation on a personal level because I think everyone feels mm. a bit out of control no, absolutely because so it, psychologically it is, it's yeah it's, it's a reassurance of kind of like I, I have you know, a couple of tins of tomato sauce and a couple of pins of pasta and I think kind of the, the upsetting thing with that is is that people all of a sudden became really selfish yes that's right and it, it shows it shows you know the I suppose the part of humanity that's not the friendliest and you know I'm, I don't roll that way um, in, in pretty much all of my crew we have a pretty you know sensible level head kind of like you know do you need anything uh, there was a bit of talk with one of my sushi or one of my chefs. Um, he needs formula, so he actually lined up at Costco because he's got a little one. Um, you know, he lined up at Costco and there was like a two-hour wait. There was like six hundred people queuing, and as soon as the doors opened, they just decimated pallets of. You know, and he, he, he just went. It was it was horrible. Yeah. Like I feel I felt I felt like I had to you know like Korean army style you know bash my way to the formula to get a tin. And I said to him, like, what, what about the supermarket? He was like, no one had it anymore because everyone is protecting, obviously, that bit that they can protect, yeah. they have control over. Well, I didn't, I haven't done any um, extras. And then when I suddenly thought, oh, well, maybe next time I go to the supermarket, I should get an extra tin of stuff. There's nothing. Yeah, there, <laughs> there's, there no more, no there's no more tins. Paper, yeah. and there are no more tins. So at least sauerkraut was a big thing at Vic Gardens. There was a whole lot of sauerkraut. So, yeah. you know. Should maybe turn my nose up. <laughs> oh, you know, sauerkraut, boiled potato, you know, <laughs> buy, buy a bit of pork. Yeah. It would be a, a shame, though. Um, it is a shame if, if 
the hospitality venues are closed um, because I think that offers a bit of hope and a bit of, you know, your, your supplies are obviously still coming through. So I guess it would be nice for people still to be able to come out and Absolutely. have nice like, times. As, as I said earlier, kind of whoever is able, able, willing and able-bodied, come. Kind of we're here, we're operating like usual. Mm. And the, the other predictions, even from the suppliers, are pretty, pretty dire. Uh, where you know they're they're looking at it kind of like oh hey hang on we got to leave some more cows in the paddock because no one's going to buy them um, and that's that's you know uh, part fortune for us in the future because the cow price is going to drop uh, part uh, disaster for the farmers because they still need to move the stock and all of this will trickle through um, all the industries uh, not not just hospitality but in you know, hospitality is measurable because you can go like right cool if 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 this keeps going, they're predicting a 20 to 30 percent drop in livestock, um, and that's, that's, that's a lot of cattle. Um, and you know, some of these guys are still recovering from January, December, yeah, especially in East Gippsland, right. where you know now all of a sudden there's the the second disaster thrown at them, where they go like, "What little I have, I can't even sell because no one's buying it." Yeah. Um, and that makes even more, you know, like you know, the, you know we started using the, the hashtag Safe Hospital. It's not because we want to save just us, but it's also no, our right. suppliers, our farmers, uh, the secondary industry of, of people around it, the casuals. Uh, the list, the list is starting to become frighteningly large. Um, and you know, I think, I think there's some great examples like Hannah at, um, at Edda is doing the, the you know, we're doing now delivery. Uh, they're doing their own deliveries yeah, uh, from their it. menu. It's, yeah. it's great. Um, but these are little businesses that kind of, again, they don't have a war chest, they can't sit on their hands, they have to be proactive in, uh, in dire straits, in, in, in tricky times, uh, to make sure that you know, the rent can be paid, that the staff can be paid, and that people are actually, you know, in control still. Yeah, right. The little bit that we do have. Yeah. And it's, it's um, actually on Monday, I had, a, I had a quite an interesting meeting with a couple of people in the industry, and although everybody is saying, hey, yeah, we have to be very careful and watch what we're doing, we're going to try to stay open as long, as, as, as effective as we can. Um, but, you know, hard decisions will have to be made. Uh, a good friend of mine in, in Sydney has just closed uh, one of the two restaurants that they own uh, because it's in the financial district. These guys stopped eating, you know, with, with all of the money that they just lost. Um, but also there's been a case of coronavirus, so they were like, oh shit, and like self-quarantine, close the restaurant, but that's all of a sudden 22 staff that are now sitting at home. Yeah. And they can't, they can't afford a 22 staff to sit at home. There's, yeah, there's a bit of annual leave for some of them, but not for all of them. Um, and then it's kind of like, you know, hey, do you need someone for two weeks? And they're like, well, not really, because I'm staffed, but I'll ask around and you know we'll start sharing staff if we can and just try try to make uh, try to make it meet and I like it's the only only thing that we can really do. That's a good thing to come out of it that the community I mean I think there is a community of chefs here from the, all the different chefs that I've spoken to and I like that idea that that you're willing to help each other you know it's not a competition oh, so. We have to. Like Melbourne, Melbourne has always been very social and community engaging mm. within within my little my restaurant community yeah. um, where you know you can share and care and, and do stuff for each other and, and even just on a, on a micro scale so here in the hotel um, in the hotel they're they're reducing the afternoon teas the, 
breakfast service in the, in the dining room is seizing, it's just going to the rooms. Um, and all of a sudden, you know, Chef Tom had a little bit of uh, chickpea crust left over. Well, I didn't really have a use for it, but I can make a use for it. So that approach doesn't go to waste and things don't end up in a bin. And it's, it's that sort of stuff where, you know, if we all look out for each other, we all take care of each other, stop, stop the bullshit buying of, yeah. you know, a pallet of stuff that you don't need. And, Look at your neighbors, look at the people around you. There's plenty of people that could do with a with an extra hand um, in, in all sorts of ways, even if it's just a chat. But like, I know enough of people, probably like yourself, where you're like, yeah, I'm pretty left handled, but I am going to buy an extra one or two tins. And, no, and it's, it's kind of because you want to take back that control and you know, reach out and say, hey, you know, yeah. come out for dinner, let me pour you a glass of rose. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Thank you, something to eat, so you don't have to worry about that extra tin or not. Yeah. You can you can hamster that for when the ship really hits the fans and the zombies start walking That's the street. That's right. Yeah. Exactly. Where did hospitality start for you? Your love for hospitality. <laughs> um, pretty early on, um, when I was, I mean, this is this is before I went hospitality. Probably when I was four. Um, no, no, when I was four, I wanted to be a garbage man. Oh, right. Because I really liked the, in Amsterdam they had the, the hanging off the back of the truck and picking up the big, you know, the beans and it was manual labor and it was something really kind of like, yeah, I liked the idea of kind of doing that. And then it wasn't probably until I was like six, maybe seven that it was raining cats and dogs and I saw the garbage man you know, coming past the house and I like, nah, that's, <laughs> I will not be doing that for a living, that, that sucks. Um, and then I, I, I always kind of liked the the hospitality or service of hospitality, um, and I, I didn't really I didn't really know where or how. It's just kind of like I, I've always liked that better. Um, I've always been better with my my hands than yeah I can I can read and write and I know how to do maps and all of that sort of stuff. But I've always preferred the practical things. Um, and I just kind of like I finished my, my secondary education and then and you can choose and I went well let's let's do hotel school because hotel school leaves you the opportunity to go you know from general manager to essentially chambermaid you know all the all the facets that are in hospitality are there so it was a pretty broad cast um, and you know I did that for five years then spent a year on stage and my first couple of months I kind of kind of did the, the more F&B books related kind of stuff and I hated it. Um, I, I could not sit in an office and just go check numbers and go like, oh, we're spending too much on, on cutlery or soap or, you yeah. know. Um, and so I asked for a transfer within, within the hotel. This was at the Waldorf um, to go be in the kitchen. And once I was in the kitchen, the chef had said like, oh, we'll do, you know, we'll put you in sandwiches. And that was pretty pretty tame, like afternoon tea was big there, but you now you make sandwiches, you learn how to you know, stock and drop and do your mise en place. And then probably after about three or four months, I asked, you know, hey, is there, is there something a bit more, you know, like I now know how to do all the sandwiches and I can do thousands of them. And like, is there something a bit more exciting? And I, at that stage, I kind of went like, mm, there better be something else here in this, in this biz, because I don't know what to do with myself if, if it's not. And the chef put me in the in the bistro, and that particular bistro used to do close to five, six hundred covers a day. And my first service there, there I was just kind of like, what the fuck? 
this guy. You know, like the speeds, the efficiency, the way there were prep chefs. It was a prep kitchen with double-sided fridges where people would put prep in, and then the guys that were cooking it would pretty much pull it out and cooked and. I, I walked out of there kind of like, you know, scratching myself, nearly like a like an addict, like, man, this adrenaline, like, I need more of this. Where can I get more? How can I get more? And kind of, I just completely got bitten by the, by the service bug. Um, and then from there, the kind of progression was pretty, pretty steady, but pretty fast into, you know, where I am today. It's kind of like, you know, after, after you've been a commie in a bistro, you're like, right, cool, can I do commie for a Michelin star? Oh, this is, this is funky. Can I, can I do it for two Michelin stars? Um, can I do it on one, two, three head level? Can I do it in a hotel? Can I do it in a bakery? Do it in your um, own place. Do your own, yeah. And like, it just, like, it's a, it's a massive snowball of adrenaline. Um, and that's, I still do it for the service. Like the prep job is you know, part of what you have to do, but the creativity of making something and then seeing it go in a busy service is still probably the biggest joy of, of cooking, kind of where you go like, yeah, cool, executed well. Uh, yeah. Great dish, done, you can actually do this. We now perfected this dish, let's move on. <laughs> yeah. Now you're really big on sustainability and, mm. um, and zero waste or as little waste as possible. As little as possible. Yeah. Has it always been like that for you? No. No, I've, I've, I mean, it's... it's um, yeah, when I was a young cook, I didn't even know where the beef came from. Sure. Yeah, kind of like, so as, as, a, as a youngling, you kind of you kind of have to navigate and learn your way and kind of... I was lucky with my my mentors very early on um, that, you know, provenance was a very important part and it was there was no excuse for not knowing provenance. And as soon as you, as you learn a bit about provenance, you learn about, oh hey, livestock means dead stock, and kind of like how much hay does a cow eat to become a cow, or you know, what do you mean the eye is only, you know, it's less than a, than a hundredth of a cow. Um, what else is there, you know, gotta, and that's, that's all learning, learning things of it. And in, in most of my mentors have been always progressive to the, to the zero waste or sustainable you know don't don't buy this fish why not because if we keep fishing it oh in two years it's not going to be around oh shit kind of what fish should we use and then kind of out of out of you know professional curiosity and um wanting to learn like you know chefing chefing will you will never stop learning in chefing and you go ask the questions you're like hey is this sustainable is this is this green is this you know um, Does it make you more creative? Do you have to be more creative to be sustainable and as little wastage as possible? Yeah, because there is no buying one cut. Yeah. Um, there is, um, I mean, and that's, that's where this place probably struggles a little bit because we're not big enough to put the full thing in effect. Um, but you know, if you buy a whole pig, um, the challenge is always kind of like how creative can I be with every scrap? Uh, you know, can I do a little bit of tail here, a little bit of hoof there, a little skin number there, uh, the bones will become a broth. Um, but then even taking it further and carbonizing the bones and using that as charcoal to roast a bit of lettuce on. Yeah. Um, so there is truly zero waste. Well you did that with your chicken dish, what came first? The, yeah, the chicken, chicken. the chicken dish was kind of, I've always liked the, uh, the challenge of perceived lesser cuts. Uh, 
So, you know, the, the hanger steak is, is, a, is normal in the repertoire. The chuck tender is a super underutilized piece of meat. Uh, but if you treat it well, you know, you can do some really cool stuff with it. And chicken, chicken always has had a average rep. You know, when you say to people like, oh, I have chicken on the menu, you're like, oh, like a Kiev yeah. or like a Snitty. And, and kind of like chicken has always been the, kind of like the, you know, how can I elevate this, this humble chicken? Um, and then, you know, you go free range. So you find a nice free range supplier. You make sure you have contact with the supplier so you actually know, you know, hey, is this, is this you know, how does he, how does he rear the chicken? Do they get injections, their wings fit and all of that sort of provenance? And then once you have that conversation, you're like, right, well, I'm gonna commit to buying, you know, five, 10, however many we buy a week. And then, then the challenge is like, can I use the whole, the whole thing without wasting anything? Um, and it's, we're nearly there. I have, to, I have to top up a little bit of chicken skin here and there, because uh, there's just not enough chicken skin on a chicken to make, to make the whole thing work flawlessly. Um, but then that, that's you know, stuff that you, you, you work on and you try to become better at it. Um, and it's the same with, with fish. Um, you know, you buy whole fish, we fill it in, we use the bones, we use the skin. Uh, sometimes it's a matter of saving skin and then doing something cool with it, like crispy or whatever. Um, but that's just looking at uh, produce and that's where this, this, this environment works really well because I can change on Friday night yeah. at six o'clock. I can change or say to the boys, hey, you know, the, the chicken dish, tonight we're gonna do it with pork. Yeah. Uh, and we're gonna do it with crispy ears and you know, put something else on there because I have, I have a- So is that what you've been doing? As you've moved into Yeah, oh, we, well, we're once, we're, we're now changing most of the dishes. Yeah. Uh, the melon is staying, um, one, because it just drops beautifully into autumn with the beetroot. Too, because I really like that. Dish. It's so delicious. I've, um, I've been telling everyone about this pedamon tartare that I had. It was just incredible. Funny story. We had a little tasting. I started doing a bit of room service, um, kind of just because you know, we talked about it and we, we can do it because we're in the hotel. And we did this tasting with all the all the reception girls that take the phone call and uh, the room service department. They all ate it. They're like, oh wow, this is delicious, delicious. Yeah, what's a What's a pedamelon? Like, well, you know, it's, it's a little wallaby. And then a week came, went past by, and I bumped into one of the girls in the, in the corridor, and she goes, like, oh, you know, I, I don't like you anymore. Like, what what, what oh. did I do? And she goes, like, I Googled pedamelon. And I'm like, ah, oh, did, did you see oh, a really cute little skippy? She goes, like, yeah, I can't. I can't believe you made me eat that. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I did not make anyone eat that. We were all there for the tasting. She goes, like, it's delicious. But I really struggle with the, I now know what they look like. Okay, yeah. don't, don't Google Petamelon. No. Okay, just come and eat it, don't Google it. Um, and what about those big moony eyes that the cows have? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, some, but, you know, that's, I, I do vegetarian things as well, vegan <laughs> things. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I am available to all, I'm open to all. Um, it's not like, you know, oh, you only eat vegetables, you can't come in here. No, come in. I have a, yeah, yeah. I have a full vego, vegan, pesco. Like well, you now mushrooms are coming out. Well, it's such funny weather though. It's quite sort of warm the last few days, but um, there's some there's some cracking mushrooms around. Yeah. Um, I haven't I haven't committed to them yet. <laughs> um, no, because because it's so wishy washy and it's right. Kinda, yeah. Okay. That's interesting. Um, can't my, <laughs> my preferred mushrooms come a little bit later in the season. What are your preferred? Uh, the bluets and the the morels. Oh, okay. Um, so the pines are in. in they're, 
full yeah. full bloom already. Uh, slipperies we need a bit more more rain to happen. Um, and if um, I have a forager that I use, um, uh, Matt O'Donnell um, from Mushroom Anonymous, he um, when he goes out and picks, he always makes a little the rock crates because they're a very particular size. Because I like the smaller, the younger, the bouncier ones. And he, he'll make a little crate for me. Um, and it's it's we, we yeah we had a very recent discussion. I'm like you know is it is it not? He goes like mm, I would just just wait. And I'm like we need a bit of rain. And traditionally it's usually Easter, so we're we're yeah. very very early. Because so um, well, all the all the seasons are a bit skewed with them. Um, but it's actually nice, nice that we can get ready with, you know, we can do some things with some farm mushrooms. Um, in the meantime, uh, where we use a little bit of shiitake from the Otway guys, uh, we use a little bit of um, lion's mane because we can. Uh, and so we, we can kind of warm up into, into, into the menu, but then also I never really do a full-blown, here's the mushroom menu. Yeah. Could be actually, that could be fun, fun to share, just doing mushrooms. So yeah, I mean the, the seasonality. The seasonality is um, it's always a good excuse to play. You know, kind of like change. change where stuff. where do you get your ideas? Is it from just I don't want to say from being in the industry so long and imply that you're you know very old. old. You're not very old, <laughs> but you have been in the industry. Yeah. You've been in the industry a while, so you do have lots of experience. Or is it um, are you inspired by you know books or? Instagram, other people. Oh, it's it's a little bit of everything, really. Kind of, I think in again my earlier years, it was very kind of you know seek out what's good in autumn and what's the inspiration. Now it's nearly a case of kind of like yeah, cool, autumn is coming. Let's start thinking about this set of flavors or you know this set of of, of things that I would like to use. Um, you know. Eggplant is traditionally a summery, late summery kind of kind of vegetable. So that's on now because that's a good little wedge to you know the, he- the heavier autumn stuff. Um, but we do that with a uh, smoked eel. So kind of like we're bringing you know, all that earthiness that kind of that the, the pat- shows already. And like we can bring that into a fish dish with you know lovely eel from Silver Lake. Um, inspiration is kind of like so you know when you when you. You come up with ideas, and then you go like, right, cool. Will this eat well? What's the weather like? Um, and it's it's nearly a case of kind of like looking at the forecast for a week. Yeah. Like, yeah, you know, oh, it's gonna be it's gonna be dreary and rainy. Great, let's bring on the the slow braised dishes. Uh, let's bring on the you know things with chutney, the heavier warming you know, dishes that will give you a nice little cuddle uh, and will go well with a big shrimps. Mm. Yeah, you know, as opposed to a, a frivolous rosé. Um, <laughs> No, no, and that's kind of usually where you know the the concepts or the ideas come from. Good. And then, yeah, you know, I have been cooking twenty four years. Yeah, twenty four years this year. Um, so there's a lot of a lot of stuff in the library where you're like, oh yeah, you remember? Yeah, we did this Brussels sprout thing. Blah blah. blah. You're like, oh yeah, but if I make it that rich here, people people will walk out and die because it's still. 20-something degrees out there today. No. You know, it's still warm. Yeah, it's a bit grey, but it's it's still warm out there. It's muggy, yeah. Um, so you wanna you wanna yeah. This is always the the cautionary two to four weeks, yeah. and then after Easter, generally, you know, as I said, like all the mushrooms will turn good, so it'll get better, it'll get cooler. Um, that's when um, when it's usually open season, 
and some of the stuff that we did in Europe doesn't really translate. The game game season doesn't really translate here, but I can get my hands on amazing venison. Oh yeah. Um, right. So some some of the some of the things you can kind of seek out, um, but then you know it's just a matter of kind of upping upping the flavor, amping up the the cuddle in the bowl. Um, and although I don't really don't really do a soup for an entree, it's nearly nearly time to do something with a consomme or something with a yeah with a with a, a really cracking broth next to it. Uh, dishes can be a bit wetter, um, yeah, a bit more a bit more oomph to it. Um, then also I am still five four, so I can't be. Yeah. So what's your dessert? That apricot dessert is so divine. It's got all those oh. deliciousness in it. <laughs> um, the dessert now is a dish that I have. It's, it's probably the closest thing you'll get to a signature signature of mine. It's the Dutch mess, and the Dutch mess is uh, it's it's an old dish. Um, it started off as an eaten mess, and then strawberries, obviously, you know go out of season and we couldn't get some and um, I went like oh what are we going to do I really like how the eats and sits well, food cost wise and production wise and it's set really well in the menu and then I think it, it started with my supplier having a special on Valencia oranges which are technically right now you know, yeah. they'll have another two maybe three weeks left um, and then you know, all the other oranges all the other citrus will become good and so I, I made this this eaten mess homage with a Swiss meringue and a, and a sorbet and kind of like some other little orangey bits. And I'm like, oh, I can't really pull it. You know, can't be homage to eaten mess anymore. Can't be you know referencing eaten mess because eaten mess is three things. It's very strict in what it should be. I'm gonna call it pavlova. And I had this I had this young apprentice working with me at the time, and he he very cheekily said like, ah, oh, chef. You call it the Dutch mess, get it? Orange. I mean like oh, you, yeah. you little shit. Cheeky, get back in your in your section kind of thing. And then I thought about it, I go like, you cheeky little, that's that's brilliant. Yeah. Kind of like, you know, kind of like it's it's me in a cup, kind of like orange, I can I'll happily take the piss out of myself. Um, so I, I I made one up and up, you know, for the front of house to taste and they're like, oh you know, what should we put on the menu? Like, you can call it the Dutch mess. And they were like, oh, that will never sell. Behold, it's sold. Yeah. And it kind of stuck. And then so, at Maricote, um, I started with it just before Maricote. When I got to Maricote, every time Valencia's were good, the Dutch mess would appear. Uh, and it was kind of like nearly nearly clockwork, you know. Oh, Valencia oranges are good. Nice, juicy, too sweet. Um, and currently, so it's, it's, it's vanilla ice cream, uh, orange sorbet with a little bit of cardamom in it. Uh, and the cardamom we amp up once we get to the, the later part of the Valencia so they have a good, bit more warmth oh, to okay, it yeah. um, Swiss meringue, orange jelly, orange segments, candied orange skin Pashmak, uh, which is an Iranian fairy floss um, well, that's, that's about it from there um, and it's, it's, it's kind of like the, the apricot, it's all hidden so you have to kind of dig through to get all the bits um, and then, you know some stage we had a blood orange mess, we had a tropical mess, we, we went mess crazy at, at one stage. Um, so that's that's what we're doing now and we're probably... The road you're on. <laughs> well, you know, kinda, it, it was funny at the time because we were doing the Dutch mess and then I think it was a tropical storm, maybe in WA or Queensland. 
and kind of like you know being being the little punk that I, I still have with cookies I'm like that'd be funny we'll, we'll, we'll call it the tropical mess and we'll donate yeah for every every uh -huh. tropical mess sold we'll, we'll donate a, a coin or whatever um, and people people who came to America knew, usually knew about the Dutch mess or had heard about you know the Dutch reference so the, the tropical mess was something like oh really <laughs> Pineapple? Oh yeah, pineapple, papaya, mango, whatever, whatever tropical fruit I put in there. Um, and that was just a play, play thingy for that particular event. And uh, next will probably be the sorrel. Um, so we're looking at sorrel, maybe a white chocolate mousse. And then once we once we get towards the latter end of um, of autumn into into winter, it's very likely to be uh, either a really dark chocolate uh, rocky road. Um, I, I preserved some cherries at the end of at the end of cherry season because they were amazingly cheap. So we bought a couple of boxes, prepped them, preserved them, uh, so they're ready for the rocky road. Um, that or maybe a baked uh, chocolate brioche. Okay. Something. Something. It's it's nearly time for warm desserts. Yeah. Um, so that's that's usually where we where we go, and then well, it's nearly spring, so then we can go lighter again. And will you, will you be here in spring? Oh, will any of us be here <laughs> well, in spring? Kind of like, you know. That's true, yeah. Um, no, I, I don't know. Can I, I, I would, yes, I'm going to say yes, I would love to be here. Because um, it is, it's running, it's doing its thing. Um, but I don't know, kind of like, you know, hopefully, um, the hope is still that we find somewhere else. Um, be it city bound or a little bit out of the city, I don't care. Um, but so far, I'm, I'm yeah, I'm happy here. Uh, the owner is happy, so fingers crossed. And you know, I'll send you a press release when we're doing yeah. the spring, the spring or winter, winter residency. Awesome. Um, currently, currently, yeah, June, June. Okay. It's actually it's the weekend of June first, whatever, whatever that day is. It's going to be our last service, but we'll see. And it's it's actually quite um, it's quite liberating that I don't have to look too far ahead. Yeah. Um, it's it's kind of I, I personally like to be super organized and plan out you know a year in advance of menus and bits that we're doing. Um, but it's quite nice to be as free as we are right now because I can say yes to any event. I mean they've all been cancelled. Yeah. You know we have things lined up for Melbourne Food and Wine, Dark Mofo, Good Beer Week. Uh, we were looking at doing a little thing in New Zealand. Um, we can travel with this kind yeah. of like it's it's because it's such a yeah the, uh, the the back of house is a lot more limited for me i have a finance department i have a maintenance department um, so i think a lot of the a lot of the stresses about that i had at Maricot or, or any other restaurant that i work in are much more relieved i don't have to to do the invoices every week. I have a department for that, which is amazing. Yeah. Um, and that kind of leads to you know um, creative freedom where you can go. Hey, let's do an event Tasmania, New Zealand. Kind of like, you know, who, who else wants to do a cool event with you know crazy Dutchman? You know, surf, surf a Dutch mess. Um, no, and it's 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 fun where you can actually um, focus on that sort of stuff as opposed to make sure that. Books balance. Yeah, twenty cents out. Twenty cents go in my pocket. It is twenty cents. Out. Um, yeah. So that's that's yeah, amazing creative, creative freedom. Well, hopefully in a few months' time you'll be able to get back to doing all those events and things. Well, I'm I'm quietly hoping that they you know that, that I'm 
I'm, I'm quietly hoping that Australia's been proactive enough by travel bans, travel closures. Um, it's going to suck, like without that, for a lot of people um, in a lot of different industries. Because uh, as I said earlier, the, the roll-on effect is going to be a lot bigger than I think what people are seeing now. But I hope that in uh, you know three or four weeks, um, we can actually say, hey, you know, it's plateaued. Uh, the worst is behind us. Now let's let's focus on staying clean, staying organised. But like, let's let's start, you know, let's start going eating out again, and let's start supporting. Um, an acquaintance of mine has got a coffee shop, and you know, a little bit of food. But over the weekend, because uh, of all the, the bad media, he, did, he, he served four coffees. No, yeah. And it's kind of like, you know, he, he can't pay rent of that. No. And it's it's kind of, you know, he couldn't be. He's fastidious. He's the cleanest guy I know. Like that machine is impeccable. Um, and even like little things where he goes like normal cash, tap only, and because I don't want to handle cash because I'm handling people's coffees. Of course. And I think that's going to take. You know, it's nearly. Like Melbourne is, is kind of known for that, Sydney is kind of known for that as well. It's had like two weeks between summer and autumn, summer and winter, because uh, the seasons are pretty drastic here where people just hibernate for a little bit. They forget to go out because they just kind of go like, ah, oh, let's put on the extra PJ. You know, <laughs> and the onesie goes on, the fireplace gets lit up, and they kind of forget to go out for a little bit, and then all of a sudden they go like, hey, actually, you know what? Why am I being at home? I'm like, yeah. you know, enough of being home, let's go out again. I, I sincerely hope that in a, in a month we can look at this guy. Yeah, cool. <laughs> Hospitality one, Corona zero. Yeah. Um, and that we all come out on, on, on the back end of it, still talking to each other, still smiling at each other, and um, you know that, that we can actually go like, yeah, survived. Let's carry on. Yeah. But, uh, the, like I, I actually surprised no one. No one. I haven't seen one yet where it's like keep calm and carry on. Yeah, keep keep Corona out outside and, and carry on. Yeah. Uh, yeah, wash your hands and um, wash your hands. Be clean. Be kind to each other. Yeah, fuck Corona. <laughs> you know, that's that's the nicest nicest way of, of putting it. Yeah. Um, but you know, I'm 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 confident. I, I think there's enough people level-headed enough that you know just let it all wash over you and then go like right, cool. Let's let's start doing things for the community for each other. Um, as I said, we're we're looking at it. We don't really know how to do it just yet, um, and it's also because we're terrified of like, what, what if a hundred people do it? Yeah. Like, I, I don't have the capacity for that, so we're no, kind of, right. yeah. You know, um, so we, we we're kind of trying to, you know, work out what we can and can't do. And well, what, maybe it has gonna... to be that people, well, you know, they think you know, people booking in for certain times, but yeah. Well, that's 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 what we're what we're discussing on the, in the in the back of house at the moment. Yeah. Um, I'm sure we'll roll something out. Hopefully soon enough. Um, one, one to help community or people that are self-quarantined, but also to make sure that you know we are actually still delivering what we do. And that's good food, good food. That's what it's, what it's all about. And um, I'm, I'm lucky because I have a general license, so I can actually sell bottles of booze to people if they want to. Okay. Um, again, we haven't really promoted any of it because we don't really know how that's right. how that's going to work or how how to even operate that yet. We're getting close. We, I think we worked out most of the kinks. Uh, and, uh, stay, stay, stay tuned. Watch, watch this channel. Yeah. Thank you. My pleasure. Amazing. Amazing.
You've been listening to Conversation with a Chef. I'm Joe Ritty, and thank you so much for joining me today. If you'd like to read the full transcript of the conversation, you can go to www.conversationwithachef.com or follow me on Instagram so you'll always be up to date with the latest conversation.